we sing that song one more time? Go for it. You excited, ma'am? <laughs> I can see it. Can we get some of that fire on him? Okay. Okay, okay. Come on, let's sing it again. <laughs> that you are life you are our hope you are our passion you are our love and we thank you Lord that we can serve you with loudness clear that everybody will know Jesus is Lord in our lives give God praise will you thank you praise team thank you thank you thank you God bless you all you may be seated thank you 
Pastor Ken, thank you again uh, for the great opportunity to be here. I always come here every year to get my steak, and, and then I leave again because he bought me a great piece of steak today. And uh, I must emphasize that as well. <laughs> I am from Africa. We love some good meat. And I found it here in Missouri. And, uh, but I just eat a little bit smaller than him because um, uh, I'm just, it's just what I do. But thank you, Pastor. God bless you. <laughs> we, we love the humor. We love the love. And thank you. Uh, Pastor said to me that I can just mention to you what we are busy with. Uh, let me just say this to you, church. I'm 41 years in ministry, and um, I'm travel. I'm not really an itinerant speaker. I don't see myself. My, my voice is different to the church. I love the body of Christ. I love uh, the Lord has used me mostly apostolically and prophetically. To be honest with you, that's my office. But here is the, the latest passion. Many of you probably heard about the upper room conferences that we had in the past. The upper room is about the spirit of prayer, restoring Acts chapter 2. Because without Acts chapter 2, there's no book of Acts. Without Acts chapter 2, there is no Acts. If there is acts, it's the acts and the, the, the works of man. But we need the works of the Holy Spirit. Now, we have seen great moves of God in the upper room. We brought leaders together. But at the moment, I am in touch with several leaders. And I had Zoom calls. Um, and it's regarding 213 nations in the world. That's the entire globe. The church in South Korea is sending prayer teams to America to come and pray over America. They don't want to preach. They don't seek a pulpit. They said, we are coming to pray. Because God said to the South Koreans, the motherland who has sent the missions all over the world, missionaries all over the world, the motherland is sick. And they said, we want to come to America to come and pray for America. Now, when I, I was on several Zoom calls in the last two, three weeks with uh, leaders regarding bringing 230 nations into America. Um, and we will identify apostolic leaders like the Apostle Paul. How many of you know if I remove the Apostle Paul out of the New Testament 27% of the New Testament is gone. That's the, that's the gap he will leave. And we have several New Testament apostles all over the world in different nations. We want to bring them in because the 7.6 billion people in the world. And we reckon that if we bring the right anchor leaders from nations, we can influence 1 billion out of the 7.6 billion. I have invitations to so many nations, I cannot even think of going to the first one because humanly it's impossible. So now we are thinking of bringing 230 nations represented into America. And then Doug Small, who is a legend in America and a legend in the Church of God, who is a dear friend of mine, him and I was on the call the last week twice. And he... 
uh, will be a speaker on our next Zoom call a week from now. And he asked me, and he said, Brother Andre, when we bring 230 nations into America, can we not bring them in earlier? And we spread all these leaders all over America, and we connect them because we want to bring them into America, into a Church of God venue in Potter's House, Columbus, to form part of a global upper room outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But bring them in earlier and blanket them all over America and connect them to another prayer strategy in America before we do the upper room. Now, to do this upper room, I am the one that's initiating it. And I've done several upper rooms, but this will be the largest one ever. This will be, I don't even know what this will look like. What we are aiming to raise $400,000 to make it happen. You see, the Holy Spirit can blanket 230 nations' key leaders and spread it all over the earth because then one man going to all the nations, it's humanly impossible. So um, I will speak this Tuesday. I will be on the call with uh, Thomas Arati. He is from Kenya. Uh, that city, i um, forgot now for a moment what city is in, but... Um, it's a Muslim city, and he's turning it into Christian because they would not give him land, and they started to build one, one floor upon the other floor, and now he has a church of thousands, uh, and I will speak to him for, uh, Tuesday afternoon. Uh, this week, I spoke to Doug Small twice. Um, I will have a Zoom call next Tuesday, 8 o'clock in the morning. Uh, it is uh, 5 o'clock in the morning for the West Coast. Uh, 7 o'clock in the morning for Texas, 8 o'clock for East Coast, and then it is Germany, and it is Cameroon, and South Africa, and Kenya, and Australia, and Israel. They will all be on the call. Leaders from all those nations will be on the call. We have Arabs, we have Jews on this call, Messianic Jews. There's a, we have a Messianic Jew that's now collecting all the Messianic Jewish leaders all over the earth. Uh, one is in Ukraine. If you see him, you will think it's the Apostle Peter. He's a dynamic man, big beard. Uh, and uh, so we are gathering all these leaders. Paul I from Vietnam being in prison for 13 years for the gospel. His whole body from the middle of his body from here up to the neck and the arms has over 300 uh, Buddhist gods uh, embroidered on his body. Came to the Lord, met Jesus. He was an ex-witch doctor. He was a, uh, uh, a Buddhist priest and brought him in to break up the Christian rallies in Vietnam. Could not break it up, met Jesus. Landed up in prison for 13 years, and in 13 years in prison, uh, they released 300, over 300 prisoners, and they all started churches because Paul I led them to the Lord. He's one of our leaders. Church, I can go on and on and on. Last week, I had a Zoom call with Luke Yegazar. He's from Iran originally, and I said to him, Luke, the task is too big. I am a traveling ministry. I don't know how we're going to do this. I said, to be honest with you, I'm 69. I'll be 70 next year. When this conference happens, I will be 71. But we start now because we don't, we, it's a huge, huge task. 
And um, I said, Luke, maybe, maybe I, need, I need to pass this on to someone else. He says, you cannot do that. We need this. Now, he has been in previous upper rooms. I'm sorry I've taken so much time. So all I want to ask you is pray. Pray that God will send us the finances. We can reach the globe. We have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can reach the whole globe. Done. That's a done deal. All we need is God needs to raise up people that will finance this thing and make it happen. We have the Church of God. We have the Assemblies of God. We have Independent. We have Africa. We have East Asia. We have 32 nations in South America. We have 14 nations out of the Middle East already on board. Uh, Luke Yegazar, the Iranian brother, is bringing 14 nations. We even have an underground leader coming out of Afghanistan, uh, a, a, a Holy Ghost filled with Holy Ghost in Afghanistan church. God has his people everywhere. So thank you for your excitement. It's overwhelming. Here is the good news. We will not receive an offering now, so you're okay. Because some of you probably thought I'm saying that to receive an offering. I want to talk to you tonight about Catch Peter. Catch Peter. How many of you know that you are here to get something, but here God is here to catch you? Now, let's start with Peter. You're going to hear the name Peter a lot tonight. And why do you hear the name Peter a lot? Because you will notice that God is constantly on Peter's case, the Apostle Peter. Peter that we read about so much. And uh, I think, Pastor, something got just dropped into your spirit about what I just said. I can see it. So I want to talk to you about Catch Peter, and you can actually put your own name in there, Catch John, Catch Andre. Amen? Matthew 16, verse 15 to 18, and you can just listen to what I have to say. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We've all heard that scripture before. Jesus said to him, when you said you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you. You and I sitting here tonight in palace of praise, we know that he is the Christ. He's the son of the living God. But those days they were waiting on the Messiah. And for Peter to say that was profound. Jesus said, on this rock I will build my church. Now the name Peter means rock. Jesus never meant he will build his church on the name Peter. He actually meant on that revelation. Peter, you just said, I am the son of the living God. That revelation. It's not every church that has a true revelation of who Jesus is. And he said, on that revelation, I will build my church. 
If you want to build a strong church, build it on a church that have revelation knowledge about who Christ is. Now, I told you already that you're going to find tonight that the Holy Spirit is going to prompt Peter all the time. You're going to hear the name Peter all the time. And we, when you catch the golden threat of this whole thing, then you will also notice or you'll come to the conclusion that the Holy Spirit will do the very same thing to every one of us. He will prompt you. And when the Holy Ghost prompts you constantly, it's because the Holy Ghost already sees you in the future. And he is preparing you for something. The fact that you sit in this building tonight is because you already had a prompting to come to this meeting. Come on. You had other promptings to stay home or watch a game. But the prompting of the Holy Spirit was pro so prominent that you came to this meeting. Come on. Come on. So, Peter. Who is Peter? Let me give you a glimpse of Peter when he was trying to walk with the Lord, but he was not completely uh, dedicated yet. And then I'm going to give you a glimpse of the Peter in the book of Acts. And then we're going to go to Luke chapter 5, and then we're going to go to John 21, and then I need to leave to catch a plane. So we will be out of here before 12, I promise you. Peter was a rash and a hasty man. He was an irritable person, a man of anger, but at times firm and loving. So he was a flip-flopper. He could be angry. He could be very irritable. He was also a man in Luke chapter 22 who denied Jesus three times. I will not go into what it looked like there and how he just had made eye contact with Jesus. And the moment he saw Jesus and he made eye contact, <laughs> the cock crow, and he was reminded that before the cock crow, you were deny me three times. So Peter is a denier. He's a man whom Jesus in Matthew 14, and we will not go into these scriptures, but when he had to walk on water, Jesus said to him, you're a man of little faith. You don't really have strong faith. If Jesus said you're a man of little faith, then you're a man of little faith. So when I just look at the first three points about Peter, he's not really good material to become a church of God ordained pastor. Church of God would never accept him because he's a denier. He's an irritable man. Matthew 15, you will see that Peter was somebody who's mistreated foreigners. Another thing that count against his character, mistreated foreigners. Matthew 26, we find him where Jesus asked him to pray and he did not pray. Why will Jesus even bother to have such a useless, spineless man around him? Be careful before you say amen. Because sometimes we all fit the description I've given thus far. But I'm not talking about you because you are part of Palace of Praise. And you are probably not like that because I know your pastor. And so I know what kind of people is in this church. 
But Peter did not pray. And then in Mark 10, verse 13 to 16, you will see that Peter was not very good with children. He did not really care for children. Well, that's a huge one in America. If you don't care for children, we will never allow you to be in the pulpit. But this is Peter. Well, he's in heaven now, and I can talk about all his bad characteristics. He can do me no harm. When you study the word, you will see that when Peter had to catch fish, he was desperate to catch fish. And we will go there in Luke 5. And I preached to you about Luke 5 about two or three years ago. But you will, you will see that Peter had a tax problem. Didn't pay his taxes. And then he tried to catch fish the whole night because fish was money those days. And the Romans is coming. And the Romans want their tax money. And Peter could not pay his taxes. So that is a lot of bad things about Peter. The same Peter, when you look at him in the book of Acts... You will notice that the Bible referred to him as the chief apostle. Hmm. Not apostle. He's the chief apostle. Many times when you look at the 12 disciples, you will see that the name of Peter is mentioned first. He was actually the leader of the 12. Phenomenal that you can transfer to such a level of leadership. In the book of Acts, where the outpouring of the Holy Spirit... The man who was the preacher of the day was Peter the denier. He preached and 3,000 came to the Lord. Incredible. In Acts chapter 3, it was the hour of prayer. And everybody went to the temple for the hour of prayer. And the Bible says they brought a man and they put him at the gate of the temple. He was paralyzed. And they said to him, you can ask arms right here. We put you right here to ask arms. He came to the hour of prayer to ask money. They said, this is a good chance for you to get a lot of money. Because the people that will come to the church, they will come to pray. And if you sit right there, right where they need to enter, you're going to get some money from these people. But then Peter showed up. And Peter was a different kind of person. He just came out of the upper room. And Peter was an evangelist. Let's call him an evangelist. And Peter said to him, silver and gold I don't have. What he's actually saying is the offerings was not good lately. You did not get that. Because you've never traveled. Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, come on, he knew what he doesn't have, but he knew what he does have. You see, the American church say, well, we have money, but we don't have the next phrase. Peter said, I don't have money, but what I do have, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And he took him into the temple, and he leaped, come on. So here we have Peter, and I don't want to preach about that. But Peter came to the temple and Peter said, I cannot leave the gate of the temple polluted by a paralyzed man because we cannot preach resurrection from the pulpit, but the gate has a paralyzed man. The gate will contradict the pulpit. And we need to clean the gate before we can preach another sermon on resurrection power. And Peter corrected that. 
Peter also wrote 1 Peter and 2 Peter. Go and read it for yourself. He wrote those two books. So how did, how did Peter get to that point? And now we're going to go to Luke chapter 5, and I'm not going to preach the whole thing in Luke chapter 5 because I preached about Luke chapter 5 here in the past, but let me make it real fast because I want to get to John chapter 21. Amen? Everybody say, catch Peter. Come on, say it louder. Say, catch Peter. The Bible says there in Luke chapter 5 verse 2, and Jesus saw two boats standing by the lake. Fishermen had gone washing their nets. That's what Jesus saw. It doesn't say Jesus saw two angels or Jesus saw a vision. It says Jesus saw two boats standing by the lake, fishermen gone, washing their nets. Jesus saw an everyday scene in the lives of the disciples, and Jesus decided, this is my moment. God will use ordinary days, ordinary moments to catch you for extraordinary futures. Okay. Then he got into one of the boats. He got into one of the boats, which was Simon Peter's. Come on. He chose Simon's boat. Because Simon normally had the bigger boats. And you will read later on in that chapter that the other disciples were partners with Simon. I almost brought you another word tonight that is so powerful, but I just cannot bring two words in one night where I will show you how Jesus sometimes had business people that, that, that really, he impacted their lives. And here is Simon, he has the bigger boat, and he got into the, one of the boat, and he taught the multitudes from the boat. Now the boat was the bigger one, it was Peter's boat, and it uses Peter's boat, Peter's dream, Peter's vision, Peter's structure. Come on, the boat was made out of wood, wood speaks of humanity. And he takes Peter's boat, how, how many of you know that Jesus never built that boat? Peter built the boat, or someone else built the boat. So that boat was a man-made idea to catch fish. But here is Jesus, he got into Peter's boat, he got into Peter's property, and he's now turning the boat into a pulpit. Taught about the kingdom, and the moment he was done, he said to, watch what, the, what he said, he said to Simon, he said to Simon, he, he, he doesn't address the other disciples, he speaks to Simon, Simon Peter, launch into the deep and lay down your net for a catch. So now Jesus is taking Simon and his boat into the ocean. Remember, Jesus already know about Acts, the book of Acts coming. And it's with the book of Acts in mind that God is now prompting Peter all the time. You are here tonight because God is prompting you for something in your future. I want to say it again. Come on, church. How many of you believe strongly that you are here tonight because God is not done with you? And uh, the Bible says, and Jesus said, let's go and lay down your nets for a catch. And now the word catch means to capture alive. To get a grip on something that can slip away. And Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have told all night. Can you see there? Master, we have told all night. All night. It's amazing what you and I will do to pay taxes. <laughs> told all night. And uh, caught nothing, nevertheless, at your word I will lay down the net. At your word I will lay down the net. Now, I don't want to go into that because Jesus said, take your nets, plural. P Peter took one net. Because Peter's thinking is not on the level of God's thinking. 
And, uh, and Simon said, well, we caught all night. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish. And the net was breaking. The net, singular, net, net, net. Breaking, breaking. Uh, and they signaled to the other boat. Come on now, there was another boat. Can you see now? There was another boat. But God, where is Jesus? He's in Peter's boat. Where is Jesus tonight? He's in your boat. He's prompting you. It's all about you and your, bo- your body and your flesh and your house and your children and your family and you and your finances. He's here. It's all about you. He's prompting you. It's with this upper room thing. He's on my case all the time. Sometimes I try to get God out of my boat because when he's in my boat, I feel uneasy with him in my boat because he, he wants to change the way I catch fish. He wants to change things, how I dream. And, 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 and then he tried to give him the whole ocean. And I said, Lord, I don't want to do this upper room thing. Can you just give this upper room thing to somebody else? But he's in my boat all the time. Can you see how this thing works? I preach it to you, but it cuts back to me. Amen. Thank you for your excitement. And they signaled to the other boat, and they came, and they also filled both boats, and so they begin to sink. So now you have two boats, two structures, two man-made ideas sinking. Because when Jesus comes into your man-made idea, it will always sink because God's, the weight of God's blessings is too heavy for what you can carry. You cannot build big enough to threaten him. Whatever you bring to him is going to fill it to the point it will sink. So, when, verse 8, verse 8, now watch verse 8. When Simon Peter saw it, do you know what? All the disciples saw it. Saw what? They saw how the ocean flipped into the boat And more fish came in than what they've ever seen before with one catch. Now remember, you can only eat one fish a day. So the rest was money. And the Bible says when Simon Peter saw it, the Bible does not say when all the disciples saw it. The Bible says when Simon Peter saw it. So it's all about Simon Peter. That's why I call this whole thing Catch Peter. Catch Peter. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Now he confessed sin. Nobody has preached to him in the boat. But you see what? The goodness of God will convince the world that he is God. It's not always judgmental preaching that convinces people. When God, when the world sees the goodness of God coming into your life, they will have to come to the conclusion, it must be God because you cannot do that. Come on. Simon Peter saw it and says, forgive me my sins. For he and also him, they were all astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken that day. They were all astonished. And also with the James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. They were partners with Simon. Do not be afraid, Jesus said to them. From now on, you will catch men. You see, for Jesus, it was never about fish. But God will bless your fish to get you to catch men.
Anybody that has a, a business or a job, if it's all about God wants to turn that into making it a kingdom purpose, a, a, something with a kingdom purpose. Now watch this. Jesus helped them to catch the fish more than what they could handle. I cannot explain to you what it looks like when you bring a whole net of fish in. Everybody in that boat had to help to bring it in. And for a moment, they completely forgot that they had a bad night. Because suddenly, fish comes out of the water that no human being can make happen. And Jesus was just standing there in the boat. And you watch how they bring the fish in. And Jesus must have said to himself, oh, I like it. And I think this is what Jesus said to himself. I just caught Peter, I've got him. I've got him. I've got him. I see him in the book of Acts. I'm so glad he had a bad day. Verse 2. <laughs> I've got him. And then Jesus said, from now on we will catch men and there's three catches. It's catch fish, catch men, but the third catch is the middle catch. God says, I'm here tonight to do the middle catch. I'm going to catch you. Sometimes God will come into your every day, your fish day, your day where you need to make ends meet, and he will catch you. Because Jesus knew he's an irritable man. He is a man of anger. He's a man that has sin in his life. He's not perfect. He's a denier. But that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. I'm going to prompt him. And I'm going to focus on him. Because I'm not done with him. Because if he can see the future the way I already know the future, he will know that he's going to be transformed into one of my most mightiest men. I mean, I mean, I mean, I will not tell him this now because he's my speaker on the day of Pentecost. I mean, I will not tell him this now that there's 3,000 coming to the Lord on the day of Pentecost. He's my man. But let's go to John chapter 21. John chapter 21 is the final chapter. The next book is the book of Acts. Jesus is resurrected from the dead. He's got wounds in his hands. Forty days between the resurrection and the ascension. God allowed 40 days so that enough things will happen in the 40 days that nobody can argue that Jesus never being resurrected. So many have seen him in those 40 days and here we have Jesus in John chapter 21. It's the final chapter of John. Jesus is nearing the end of his ministry on the earth. And Jesus is preparing his Bible school disciples to turn them into apostles. And they were not apostles in John chapter 21, but they were all turned into true New Testament apostles when the Holy Ghost comes over them in Acts chapter 2. But here we have Jesus spending time with his Bible school students 
in John 21, the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples. Come on, church. And in my spirit, I sense we are in a preparation moment by the Holy Spirit where God is asking and preparing leaders to get ready for another outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So let's have a look at John chapter 21. I said all of what I've said just to get to John chapter 21. John 21. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to his disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself. Simon Peter. Simon Peter. Simon Peter, oh, there's the name Simon Peter again in verse 2. Simon Peter, it's amazing how much we read about Simon Peter. Oh, come on, church, there comes a time in your life that you will hear your name all the time, all the time. And you will say, I wonder, who is it that called me? No, it's not who called you, it's God prompting you. Simon Peter Thomas called the twin Nathaniel of Gana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, the two others of his disciples were together. And Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. You see, he's always the, the one who stirs things. He's got the temperament. I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we're going with you also. Can you see what happened here? They follow him. Ha, God loves it when you're irritable. And you, the one that stir things up, God says, I can use that. I can use that. I like men and women like that. I like it. When I'm done with them, I will turn those giftings into a mighty man and woman of God. So they went out immediately and they got into the boat. And that night they caught nothing. Nothing. Whole night, nothing. But when the morning had now come, watch this, morning. Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. So Jesus was just standing there on the shore. You think it was by accident that he was standing there? No. He planned every step. Standing on the shore, disciples was on the ocean. Watch this. But when the morning had not come, Jesus stood on the shore, and the disciples did not know that it was him. And Jesus said to them, children, do you have any food? Food. I love Jesus. He loves food. He would have loved that steak today. Do you have any food? Be careful when he invites you for food. They answered no. And he said to them, cast the net to the right. It's amazing when Christ comes on the scene. He will just shift your direction a little bit to give you success you just missed. You missed it on this side of the boat. In the meantime, it's just hiding on that side of the boat. And he said to them, cast the net to the right side of the boat and you will get some. And they cast and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitudes of fish. Again, it's too much fish. You know, his name is El Shaddai. That means more than enough. His name is not barely enough. More than enough. Now, therefore, watch this, verse 7, verse 7. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved, this is John, said to Peter, it is the Lord. Remember, they know he's resurrected from the dead. They know they have a new holy respect for him. 
It's a different scenery now. Jesus, it's almost 40 days. He's preparing to go to his father. So these are critical moments. When Simon Peter heard that, it was with the Lord. He put on his outer garment for he had removed it. So he, was, he had no clothing on top. He was just maybe in his swimming suit. I don't know. And he plunged into the sea. It's typical Peter. Oh, I want to cover myself up. He's always the odd one out. But the other disciples came into the little boat, for they were not far from the land, but also 200 cubits, dragging the net with fish. Oh, they dragged the net with fish. And as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals, and there was fish that laid on it and bread. And Jesus said, bring some of the fish that you've caught. So now they come to the land, and they saw a fire, and there's fish already on the fire, and there's bread. That tells me that Jesus loves toast. <laughs> come on. Who made that fire? Jesus. Who got that fish there? Jesus. Where did the bread come? He, 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 he already arranged. He already made a fire to show them his intentions. I want to have a meal with you. I love it. I would have enjoyed that breakfast. But anyway... So then Jesus said to them, in verse 10, he says, bring some of the fish which you have just caught. I love this. Bring some of that fish that you have just caught, because there are too many. So there's some fish on the coals, but it's not enough. But now Jesus said, bring some of that fish that you have just caught. I mean, you just caught it. I mean, I mean, actually, Jesus helped them to catch it. But Jesus talked to them as if they caught it. You see, God will always make you feel like it's you that is so good that brought in all the money. In the meantime, it's him that helped you. But when you say, let's bring some of that fish that you caught, I hope you catch this. It's not you that's so good. It's him that helped you to catch it. But he will talk to you as if you caught it. He knows it's not you, it's him. Thank you. Simon Peter went up, verse 11, and dragged the net to the land full of large fish, 153 fishes. It was tilapias. It's not salmon. Sorry, it was tilapias. You can go and study it. Although there were not many, the net was not broken. Again, the net doesn't break. When Jesus is involved, it's always too much, and they never lose a fish. They never lose a fish. Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Come, guys, come, let's do breakfast. I love it when God invites you for breakfast. In my life, I've learned my lesson when God invites me to nice events. And sometimes he invites me, and, oh, it sounds so good, breakfast. Be careful. Be careful. For him, it was not about breakfast. It was about the book of Acts. Yet none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are, you, who are you knowing this is the Lord? I want you to see the picture, church. They know it's the Lord. They know he's been, he came out of dead. He's resurrected. They have a new respect for him. They don't know the future. Jesus knows the future. And when Jesus arranged breakfast, Jesus already had the future in mind. Now, this is the third time Jesus showed himself to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter. They're sitting around the fire. 
All the disciples are there, but not one of the other disciples are addressed. Again, Jesus said, Simon Peter. Oh, I don't like it when God isolates me in a crowd of thousands and makes me feel he's talking to me. Many times people come and say, oh, Brother Andre, when you preached, oh, that word was just for me. Oh, he spoke to me. In fact, he's doing it again tonight. Because he's prompting you as an individual. He's after you. He cannot leave you alone. Jesus said, Simon, Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, uh, uh, do you love me? Do you love me more than these? Remember, I went, when I went to Bible school and when those days when we want to go into the ministry and just before you go into the ministry, the big guys, the big men, all the holy men, black suits, white ties, they call you in and they ask you questions. How do you know that you are called? How did God call you? They can even give you a scripture reference and ask you your opinion about it. Oh, and then you are so nervous because you want to go into the ministry, but these men are checking you out. Now, Jesus is doing the same. If I was Jesus, I would have said, Simon, are you still irritable? Simon, do you still cut ears? Simon, what is your attitude lately with children? Aren't you glad that Jesus never asked you about your mistakes and your blunders in the past? Isn't it amazing that the devil knows my name, but he always calls me by my sin. But God knows my sin, but he always calls me by my name. He's different. He's different. Simon is sitting there and they're around the fire. And I think when, when Jesus looked into the eyes, remember they're sitting around the fire. They are close distance now. And when Jesus said, Simon, son of Jonah, uh, uh, Simon... I think Simon already, he's now covered his body. Simon probably thought, oh my goodness, he's asking me a question. And when Jesus said, do you love me? Simon said, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, uh, uh, feed my lambs. Feed my lambs. Take care of my people. Simon, will you please take care of my people? Simon, will you please have a heart of a shepherd for the lambs? Simon, you don't know why I'm asking you this question. Simon, I'm going to my father, but Simon, something's going to happen with you in Acts chapter 2. Simon, Simon, I already showed you how much I love you. Simon, I died for you. Look at my hands. Look at my head. It's still full of marks. Simon, it's, it's almost 40 days, Simon. Simon, I still carry the wounds in my body. But Simon, I'm about to leave the earth. And Simon, I see you somewhere in the future. And Simon, you look much better in the future than what you look right now. And Simon, I have proved to you my love. Simon, I cannot show more love. But Simon, I just want to make sure about the love from your side to me. It's not about from me to you. From me to you, it's all fine. Simon, I cannot show you more. But how about do you love me?
Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Verse 16. Just before he addressed, he, he made the, 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 the second question in verse 16. I think Simon said to himself, thank God he's done with me. It's over. I've answered my question. I'm ready for ministry. I've made it. That was the easy question. Thank God. I hope you ask John something. Ask Mark. Ask Luke. I wonder what will he ask them. Oh, my goodness. I'm so glad I had learned my turn. Verse 16. And he said to him a second time, Simon, son of Jonah. Simon, son of Jonah. Simon, it's my second question. Simon, I cannot get my eyes off you, Simon. Oh, my goodness. Can you imagine what Simon felt like? Irritable. Uneasy. What's going on? Why does he focus on me? What's going on? I don't know what's going on. Why does he just leave me alone? Simon, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend to my sheep. Now he calls the lambs sheep. Oh, sheep. Why does he want me to tend to the sheep? Children, people, kingdom, God's people. What's going on with him? And he said to him the third time, he said to him the third time, he excluded all the other disciples. And he said to him the third time, Simon, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Love. Love. Why does he ask me about love? I thought he would ask me about my character, my irritability, my anger, my foreigners, the problem that I have with far. Why doesn't he? Why doesn't he focus on all my weaknesses in the past? He's asking me about love, love, love. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Why does he ask me about love? How can I love him the way that he loves me? I mean, he died for me. He was resurrected. And he asked me whether I love him. Can I even love him the way he loves me? And the third time Simon said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Lord, Lord. You know all things. The book of Acts came. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit came. Peter turned into another man. And here is the good news. Peter never denied Jesus ever again. Peter always prayed. Peter loved children. Peter believed. And Peter was even crucified upside down. Why did they crucify him upside down? Because they, when they wanted to crucify him, they, he knew, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to be crucified. Oh, they're going to crucify me. I will not deny him. Oh, I cannot believe it. I cannot believe it. There was a time that I denied him, but today I will not deny him. And he said to them, 
crucify me upside down because I'm not worthy to be crucified like the son of the living God who is Christ. Church, the reason he prompts you all the time, the reason he he doesn't leave me alone is because he sees me as the man in the future that will be used and my weaknesses will not surface again. When Peter wrote first Peter and second Peter, when Peter cleansed the gate of the temple, when Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, Peter probably thought back and he must have said, that day he came into my boat and he messed with the fishes. He got me. Now I know he caught me in my own boat. He caught me in my own home sitting on the couch. He caught me Sunday night, November 14th in Palace of Praise. That night he got me. I could not escape the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Church, I'm standing in front of you. I'm standing in front of you. I'm standing in front of you as a man that say, Lord, I cannot get rid of this thing that prompts me. Can I be honest with you? I'm 69. Most of my friends retire. I still want to take the whole globe for Jesus. Why? He's on my case all the time. And when he prompts you, you cannot cannot escape. Turn to the person next to you and say to them, you cannot escape. You see why I preach like this? I need partners. Sometimes I feel like, Lord, why do you mess with me alone? But I've got a few friends. Their names is Kent Miller, Tim Oldfield, Ron Crum, Luki Akasar, Paul I, Thomas Arati, Joshua Duong. Rani Asaje, Benjamin Juster, and I can go on and on with the list of men and women that will say, I cannot escape. Breakfast with Jesus is not normal breakfast. Come and eat breakfast, friends. It's time for breakfast. Be careful when you do breakfast with Jesus. It's not about breakfast or tilapia or toast. Galilean toast, not French toast. 
It is not about the toast and the fish. It's about Peter. Peter, I'm so glad you came for breakfast, Peter. Peter, I'm the son of God. Peter, my days are over on the earth. Peter, I need a chief apostle. And Peter, you are my chief apostle. Peter. Peter, you will be transformed in the book of Acts chapter 2. And Peter, you will become the chief apostle of all the apostles. Peter, I am the son of God. And I see you in the future. And I'm not done with you, Peter. It started in your own boat, Peter, when I caught you. And tonight, he's walking from one pew and one seat to another. And he say, I see a man with a red T-shirt that says God's not dead. And God says, son, neither am I done with you. And neither am I done with you. I hope you enjoy the toast tonight. You will soon find out it's never about the toast. It's about getting you to sit around with Jesus so that he can prompt you. Come on, ma'am. And you. And you, ma'am. I can walk to the back seat. <laughs> I wish I can point everyone with my finger and say, you cannot escape this. You're in John 21. The body of Christ is back in John 21. And God says, I'm going to pour out my spirit one more time. And I will raise men and women. That'll take it further. Brother Kent, we need the pastors in America to come for breakfast. Come for breakfast. I wish I can preach to a thousand, a hundred thousand pastors and say to them, shake off your lukewarmness. Come for breakfast. It's time to answer tough questions. How much do you love him? How much does the American church really love him? Sorry, church, maybe you should never bring me back. But when the anointing comes on me, I will exhort. We cannot preach a gospel that just makes everybody comfortable. Peter, Peter, say, Jesus, once upon a time I was a denier, I was an irritable man, I was a man of anger, I had a tax problem, but Jesus, I never thought I would have the guts to tell them in their face, crucify me upside down. Oh, come on, church. Simple question. How much do you love 
him. Andre Fonsel, how much do you love him? Oh, you love to preach, Andre. Oh, yeah, you love to preach. You love to dish it out. But do you really love God to the point that you will go beyond when he was ascended into heaven? I think he looked down. And one more time, his eye caught all the disciples. But I think he gave Peter another look. And maybe he said, my lambs and my sheep is in good hands. They will now be empowered with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. And this gospel will spread all over the earth. Until it reached the ends of the earth. My church is in good hands. They love me. Because they will even die for me. I'm asking Palace of Praise. How much do you love Christ? It's not about your sin. It's not about how irritable you are. It's just, do you love him? And I want to say to you that. The gospel is like a two-edged sword. Every time I ask it to you, the Lord is saying to me the same thing. How many of you say tonight, Lord, never take your prompting away from my life. Never lose your name out of your mouth. Simon Peter, son of Jonah. Simon Peter. Simon Peter. Peter. Simon Peter. Flesh and blood has not revealed that to you. Oh, Jesus, please, prompt me. How many of you feel tonight the prompting of the Holy Spirit? Just saying, as long as the prompting of the Holy Spirit is there, it's because God sees you somewhere in the future. Now, let me just help you. It doesn't mean you will all be crucified. I think some of you say, thank God. But what if America slips in the wrong direction and we need to take a stand? America is not the America that I was introduced to in 1997 and 2001. It's not the same America. So come on, Palace of Praise. Will you still be the palace of praise when they come against us? May God, may God deepen our love relationship that we will be like Peter and we will be able to say, I love you, Lord. I love you. I will never deny again. I love children, Lord. I love foreigners. I love to pray. I will never deny you again. And when Jesus went up into heaven, I think Peter looked at that and Peter must have said, thank God I told him 
I love him. How many of you are ready to be used by God? Amongst your children, amongst your family, amongst the people where you move every day. I don't say to you, do what I do. My mandate is different than yours, and yours is different than mine. But all I want to say tonight is, he's got your number. He's got your name. And he's going to call your name. Come on. Everybody say, he is so gracious. He doesn't call me by my sin. He calls me by my name. Say, he is so gracious. He doesn't call me by all my failures. He just checked the love level. <laughs> Can I get some music? I don't know what to do now. How many of you say, I want to respond to the prompting of the Holy Spirit? Some of you almost did not come. Do you know how many times in my life I've felt like, Lord, can I skip this weekend and don't fly? Lord, can I stay home? Lord, please. And I drive to the airport two and a half hours before the time because of the traffic and park the car, wait at the airport, fly. And the moment I come into the meetings in my hotel room, most of the times in my hotel room, it's the worst place you can put me. But don't put me in a people's home. I want to be in the hotel. But in the hotel, the enemy comes and says, do you think you're still going to do this? Because you look at the four walls, orange, table, Fruit the church gave me, nuts, water. Thank you for the basket. It's awesome. But every week it's oranges and apples and water and nuts. Every week. I don't want to see it anymore, but I need it in my room. I'm tired of hotel rooms. But the moment the anointing comes over me, I said, Lord, thank you. Thank you. The prompting. Thank you, God. I will feed the lambs. I will feed the sheep. God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I will do it again. I will do it again. I will do it again. And when I walk out of that door, the first thing I will say, you will not even hear it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. If you help me again, Lord, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Four more flights. Four more flights. And then the fifth flight is the long one, 16 hours to Africa. And then another one to Cape Town. And then may, maybe some other flights. Oh, I'm counting the flights. I'm counting the flights. Wow. I'm tired. But you know what? The prompting is the thing that keeps you going. And I want to say to every one of you, thank God for the prompting of the Holy Spirit in your life. You will have fleshly moments. You will have weak moments. You will have times that you feel like, I cannot do it anymore. But the prompting. Oh, hallelujah. 
Peter, where did it start? Peter, where did it start? Peter, oh, it started in my boat. I had a bad day. I did not catch any fish. And he saw it. Never did I know my bad day was the door that Jesus used to enter to catch me and turn my life around. And I want to say to all of you, he knows about your boats. He knows about your jobs. He knows about your Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. He already knows what's coming this week. And when you have your weakest moment, he's going to step right into that door. And he's going to do something for you. And you will not get rid of him. Come on. Uh, church, come on. Give God praise. Give God worship. Do something. But just thank the Lord. 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 Come on, thank the Lord, thank the Lord, thank Him, thank Him, thank Him. Whether you stand or whether you sit, it doesn't matter to me. But just, uh, I don't know, church, I feel like a spirit of exhortation is upon me. I feel like the Lord is using me to exhort the church. Palace of praise, palace of praise, palace of praise. You are not just another church of God. Palace of praise, you are a different church. You are an extraordinary church. Palace of praise, palace of praise. You have a prompting of the Holy Spirit upon you that you will never be able to shake. You can never be ordinary. You are Apostle Peter kind of church. You are a church that God says, I will not leave you alone. I will prompt you. I will prompt you. I will prompt you. I will prompt you. That's why God has put this building on this hill. Because God says, this is the church that I will use to bring in the tilapia fishes more than what they can imagine more than what they can imagine this is the church that I will give a net and they will catch a catch that they could not believe you can catch in the middle of Missouri come on how many of you believe that you are part of that incredible plan that God has for this whole region because the catch involves you and you and you and you and you oh Jesus just lift your hands and just thank him that you are part of the prompting come on just thank him that you are part of the prompting do you know what church I love to go to churches that I know that is prompted by the Holy Spirit I know I love to go to churches that is prompted by the Holy Spirit how many of you believe with me that we, we, we're gonna see another awakening of the Holy Spirit in America how many of you believe with me that this church was built for the greatest catch America has ever seen? And it's all about lambs and sheep. It's all about people. It's all about broken people coming to the Lord. Come on, worship Him, worship Him, worship Him, worship Him. Everybody say, catch me. That's a, that's a weak spirit confession say catch me say loud and clear say I am in the grip of the Holy Spirit I cannot I cannot escape say God sees me in the future Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus.
expect a miracle in your working place expect a miracle in your job expect a miracle in your boat expect a miracle this week in your the environment where you work expect him he's gonna come right in there oh there is a miracle coming your way this week there's a miracle come on yours <sighs> hallelujah 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 Father, I thank you that every man and woman in this building will not be able to slip out of the grip of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, let's go for a catch. Jesus said, I will help you to get a grip. If you want to tighten the grip of the Holy Spirit on your life tonight and you say, Pastor Andre, I want to tighten the Holy Spirit grip on me. I want the Holy Spirit to tighten His hand on me. Would you come to the altar and say, I am here for God to catch me in my boat, in my job, in my finances, in my everyday life. God, I, I want to allow Him to get a grip on me. Come on. Oh, my Lord Jesus, thank you, ma'am, for coming. Thank you, ma'am, for coming. Thank you, sir, for coming. Come on, church. I cannot catch you. I cannot force you. I cannot push you. But the Holy Spirit can come and say, ma'am, I'm, I'm John, Susie, Mary. doesn't matter what your name is. God says, I will not leave you alone. I will not leave you alone. I'm inviting you for breakfast. Come for breakfast. Come for breakfast. I've got fish ready. I've got toast ready. Come for breakfast. Come for breakfast. Come for breakfast. Balance of praise. It's breakfast time with Jesus. Breakfast time with Jesus. He said, but Pastor Andre, I have denied him. Pastor, I have been a very weak Christian. Pastor, I have not been a, I'm not a, I don't have a good testimony. Pastor, do you know what my past looked like? I don't care what your past looked like. Peter was a denier in the face of Jesus. Oh, do you know him? No, I don't know him. I've got nothing to do with him. That is the chief apostle speaking. I don't care what your past look like. Tonight is really not about your past. It's about your future. God says, I will help you to catch fish. You say, but pastor, I need money. You say, pastor, I need a new job. And, and pastor, I don't have fish. God says, don't you worry about your boat. And about, don't worry about your boat and your fish. I've got that covered. But the Lord says, because I will supply your boat, I will supply your fish. But it's really not about fish and boats. It's about your voice in the future for my kingdom. Come on, church. It's not only about money. It's not only about jobs. It's about eternal life. This night is all about eternity. It's not really about getting a great word to get more money and get a salary increase. It's not about salary increases. It is about eternity. But Jesus said, if you allow me 
to draw you into a kingdom deal, I will take care of your fishes anyhow. I will help you to catch them anyhow. So all I want to say to you is, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all the other things will be added unto you. Come on, sir. He's got you earmarked. He's got you earmarked, sir. And you, young man, he's not done with you. Come on. When I come to you, I almost want to say the microphone is in the hand of Jesus. And he's saying to you, I'm not done with you, ma'am. You say, well, I'm a little bit older than him. Well, he's not done with you either. Come on. He's not done with you, ma'am. Hallelujah. I'm not done with you, ma'am. Come on. It's not over with you, sir. You say, well, what can I do? I'm, my age is this, and what can I do? God says, no, no, no. No, no, no. I'm not done with you. I can still use you, says the Lord. These young girls standing here, Father, I just bless every one of them. Are you ready to say, Lord, catch me. Catch me. You know, Jesus caught Peter in the boat. He's going to catch you shopping for shoes. He's going to catch you shopping for jeans that is old, but it's full of scars and holes. Huh, come on. He's going to catch you in your own world. He's going to catch you in your teenage world. He knows how to get into Peter's boat. He now knows how to get into the teenage skin and catch you at a young age and say to you, Girlies, I've got you earmarked. I already see you in your 20s and I already see you in your 30s and I already see you in your 50s. And if you see what I see, you will be amazed what you will look like in the future. That's God. That's God. Come on. Come on. How many of you believe that? Hallelujah. He sees you already five years from now. Hallelujah. Ha! God sees me. God sees me how I prophesy to a hundred thousand people. That's why he's messing with me all the time. You're included. Close your eyes and pray this prayer. That's the sound I want. Just that sound. Just that sound. Just that, just that. Close your eyes and pray. Say, Jesus, you are here. I cannot escape breakfast with you. I love you. And I will go wherever you send me. My boat, my fishes, my everyday life is taken care of. You called me tonight.
I believe in the near future I will find purpose like never before because Sunday night November 14 the Holy Spirit caught me Say, my weaknesses will become my strengths. People are weeping. People are crying. Heavenly Father, I pray that this night will transform men and women. And Father, I pray tonight that men and women will discover that their love for Jesus is deeper than what they've ever thought. And Father, I pray that when men and women, young and old, come to the conclusion that that night around the fire, November 14, was a very intimate night when he looked me in the eyes and he asked me, do you love me? And I said, yes, I love you. Father, I pray that out of this meeting will come prophets and evangelists, preachers and teachers, testimonies, miracles, signs, wonders, healing, deliverance. Because God, you leave it now in our hands to feed the sheep and feed the lambs. And Father, I pray that men and women in this building will go out of this place and know He knows my name. He knows my name. And He will not leave me alone. You are looking at a man that He doesn't want to leave me alone. I can't get him out of my boat, brother. Two weeks ago, my wife and I sat in front of the fireplace Wednesday night, and she was concerned. She said to me, how will you do this thing with the world? She said, Andre, you cannot do this. Next day, I spoke to the Iranian brother, and, and she heard the conversation. She said, you cannot leave this. 
I did not say this to her, but I'm saying it to you now. If I can get him out of my boat, I can probably catch fish and go home. But I can't get him out of my boat. You will not get him out of your life. He loves you too much to leave you alone. He's got you, sir. He's got you. Specifically you. He's got you. He's got you, sir. You're going to go home tonight and you're going to think this thing over. Many of you are going to go home tonight and say, I have been challenged by the Holy Spirit. Ma'am, this thing is going to go to bed with you tonight. Because the Holy Spirit is going to preach this thing over and over to you, sir. Because he's going to Everybody say, do it, Lord. Get into my boat, Lord. Stir me up, Lord. Wake me up tonight. He's got you, ma'am. You say, but Pastor Andre, can you prophesy? Oh, you need to prophesy because Pastor Andre, we know that you prophesy. You prophesy, and that's why we came. You made a mistake. You came to be prompted by the Holy Spirit. Because when I'm gone, you will not hear the prophecy, but the Holy Spirit is going to bother you when I'm gone. He's going to come after you when I'm gone. He's going to mess with you when I'm gone. And tomorrow, He's going to mess with your fishes. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Did you get this tonight? How many of you can feel the thickness of his presence? It's like, it's like, it's like a cloud coming down on us and we're standing in awe. Do you feel it? Prop this man, Lord. Let him do worship like he's never done it before. Prop this woman, Lord, to sing in a way she's never sung before. Prop this woman with fire, God, that she will lose it many times. Sorry, church, it's heavy. It's God. It's Jesus. But I feel like in my spirit, he's saying, I've got you. You're mine. I love you. I've died for you. And all I want to know is, do you love me the way I love you? If you are filled with the Holy Spirit, just worship the Lord in your heavenly tongue. We are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus. We are not ashamed of the language of fire. Come on, church. Jesus did the final breakfast because Jesus knows fire is coming to the church in Acts 2. Lift your voices and just worship Him. And hey, 
Come on, you movers and shakers. Come on, you future world changers. Come on. Come on, you movers and shakers. Come on, you movers and shakers. Oh, Pastor Andre, please prophesy. No, no, no. It's about the Holy Ghost on every one of you. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Join the army. Join the remnant. In your confession every night, you say you are a remnant church. Well, this is remnant preaching. This is remnant preparation. This is what it is. Father, I pray tonight. I pray tonight. Let prepare your church for the greatest outpouring of the Holy Spirit the world has ever seen. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, I decree it over you. I decree it over you. Come on, you intercessors, you need to pray. Come on, you intercessors, you need to pray. Come on, you intercessors, you need to pray. Come on, young girl, Jesus said, I'm prompting you. I have not forgotten you. Come on, ma'am, you're standing here right on the side. God says, I'm prompting you. I'm prompting you. I'm prompting you. Sir, you're standing right here on the left-hand side. I'm prompting you. I'm prompting you. Come on, church. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Father, I thank you. You've got her. You've got her. You've got her covered. You've got her covered. You've got her covered. Thank you, Lord. Touch this lady. I pray. Touch this young girl. I pray. Touch God is what to be overcome Touch the Lord. He's got you. He's got you. He's got you. A young girl. He's got you. He's got you. Come flood this place and fill the He caught you. You will never escape his grip again. He caught you, man. He caught you. He caught you, man. Hallelujah. He caught you, sir. He's got you. He's got you, sir. He's got you, sir. What he's saying, I know you love me. I know you love me. I know you love me. I know you love him. 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 Oh, come on, man. He's got you. Is this your brother, your boyfriend? Boyfriend? He's got you. Father, I thank you for your hand upon her. I thank you, Lord, that you got him. Catch him, Lord. Catch him from a young age. Thank you, ma'am. He's got you. 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 Oh, ma'am. He's got you, ma'am. He's got you. He's got you. He's happy with you. He's well pleased with you. I can hear it. I can hear him say to her, tell her I've got, I'm well pleased with her. He's well pleased with you. Hey, yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. The prompting of the Holy Spirit is yours. Thank you for the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the prompting. The prompting of the Holy Spirit. Oh, the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Catch Peter. Catch Peter. Catch Peter. Catch him, Lord. Touch him. I've got the boat, I've got the fish, and I've got you. I've got the boat, I've got the fish, and I've got you. Ah, Jesus said, I, I, can, I can do the boat, I can do the fish, and I get you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Touch this man, Lord. 
He's got the boat, he's got the fish, and he's got you, sir. He's got the boat, he's got the fish, and he's got you, ma'am. The boat, the fish, and you. He's got the boat, he's got the fish, he's got you. Touch this lady, Lord, I pray. He's got the boat, he's got the fish, he's got you. It's been a war, it's been very intense, it's been difficult. It's one fight on top of the other. It's one struggle on top of the other. You had some losses. We're about to throw in the towel. But the Lord says, I caught you tonight. I've got you. The Lord says, your bad day is exactly what I needed to get a hold of you. Come on. The Lord says, you've been hurt. You've been mistreated. You've been called names. The past is ugly. The past is hateful. The past is hurtful. But the Lord says, I waited. I waited for an empty boat so that I can catch you. Now I will take care of the boat and the fish, but I have you. Touch the Lord. That's a prophetic word God just gave you here. That's a prophetic word God just gave you. You're the only one thus far. upon this couple and tonight I lay and I pray and I say Lord Jesus the Lord says many of the catches that you've tried to make was not good there were some battles and difficulties it's a life of barely making it it's a life of just scratching the bottom you say Lord we have many many bad days Two boats standing by the lake, fishermen and gone washing their nets. He said, Lord, we have many days like that. Many days. Both of you, many days. Both standing by the lake, fishermen gone. Father, I take their hands tonight in the name of Jesus. And I pray right now, Lord, get into their boats, get into their lives, get into their ideas, their dreams, their jobs. And Lord, I pray that you will catch them in Jesus' name. Strengthen her, I pray. Strengthen him, I pray. In Jesus' name. I'm not done with you, hell. 
says, I'm going to tighten the grip on this family. I'm going I'm to strengthen the grip on this family. And the Lord says, your daughter, your son, your children will all be in the grip. It's a season coming upon you of tightening the grip. Even your husband, says the Lord. I'm going to do a deep work in your husband. I'm going to do a renewed work in your husband. In Jesus' name. Lord, I lay my hands upon her and I speak it over her. Give me that keyboard sound. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God says, I'm going to do something for your husband. I'm going to touch him. I'm not done with him. God says he cannot loosen my tight grip on him. He cannot. He cannot. Because that was, there was almost like a loosening of the grip. God says, no, it's not going to happen. Lay my hands upon her. Here the Lord is speaking to you. God says, sometimes things look very good on the surface. And sometimes things look under control. But God says, sometimes we can put a lot of makeup on something that looks ugly. But God says, I'm not fooled by makeup. I know the heart. And God says, give it to me. I'm waiting on a bad day. And I will turn it into a good day. And in that day, I will tighten my grip. God says, I'm going to answer your prayer, ma'am. There's a prayer that only you pray. Nobody else prays it. Only you. I've got his number and I will catch him. I will catch him. Who can run away from me? No one. I will catch him. Ha. You're concerned for a long time. You're concerned for a long time. You know, was like Isaac. Isaac opened up all the wells of Abraham. And sometimes in the prophetic, we start to pray and then we start to open up a well. And when we open up the well, we come across. Because the Bible says the Philistines has put dirt in the wells of Abraham. The devil will try to put dirt into your well. The devil is trying to put dirt, bring dirt into the well of your best friend. God says, I will clean up the well. And I will make it a well of Beersheba again, the well of seven. I speak it to you, ma'am. You did not expect this word. Nobody knows but God. Hallelujah. 
It's all good. Oh, man. Tissues. Tissues. If there's one person that God had to give a word tonight, it's this lady. Jesus. Beautiful. Beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. So this is your daughter? speaks in vittles that the person that you speak to understand every word <laughs> beautiful beautiful who are you sir Jared you're a friend of the pastor He's your brother-in-law. Why did you make him your brother-in-love? It's even. <laughs> Isn't the Lord good? You know what blesses me is when children play in a swimming pool and they splash the water, some of the water fall on you and you don't care because you're just glad that they enjoy the water. What happened here is God will give her a word, but all of a sudden, what God is doing here splashes on, and you hear a little bit here and a little bit there, and all of a sudden, you know, my Lord, the Lord is doing something great. We are all part of the same party. We're all at the same pool. It's like the pool of Bethesda. And all I want to say to you is get into the water. It's, it's just God. If it's humanly impossible to prophesy to everybody, but I hope you got the word tonight because I can. It was so strong on me. But when God blesses her, it should bless you. It blesses me to hear what God is saying through me. I didn't know who she is. But God spoke deep to her tonight. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I hope it blesses you. Can you still feel the awe of the Lord in this place? I want to ask all of you, I will pray for Palace of Praise, but please pray for me. We are all in this together. If your church was in Atlanta, I would have been a member of it. 
So I don't know why you started the church here, but maybe you should all move to Atlanta and, and I can join the church. But my heart is here. My heart is truly here. I love this place. This is the only church in Missouri that allow me to come to them. The others, well, they don't know about me. I'm not known. But there's a reason why God brought me here. So I pray that this word will bless you. And um, I wish I can lay hands on more people. I wish I can prophesy, but it takes a lot of time. Amen. How long are you doing this now? Praise and worship. Two years. How old are you? 17. You're a young man. You're already into it. Father, I thank you for your hand upon this young man. I thank you, God, that you're going to use him for your glory. There's a fresh anointing upon the praise team. Your whole, your whole praise team this morning, I felt it went to another level. And this, it's also linked to the shofar that's been blown here every Sunday and it's also linked to the music that's playing on the grounds because God is changing the atmosphere over this whole property and uh, it showed in the praise and worship team this was the best I've ever felt it and even the church is not only about what they can do because they are not performers they are worshipers and it's not about performing it's about worshiping if you cannot worship God intensely in the pews don't do it on the platform if you cannot be the praise and worship leader of your row don't do it on the platform so what I'm saying is be the man with the guitar right there where you stand that's what worship is all about it's everybody unto God hallelujah Pastor, I think I'm going to draw the line in the sand here tonight. I'm tired. I am 69. You need to respect that. And, uh, and uh, I wish I can stay longer. I wish I can lay. Uh, church, sometimes I prophesy a lot, but sometimes the emphasis is on the preaching of the word and not the altar so much. Uh, I hope you're fine and uh, you don't hold my feet to the fire because I didn't prophesy to 300 people. God bless you. I'm going home. I don't want you to take off. Just I just want to hold you two minutes. Um, Andre, uh, the message was really touching me because the Lord is, over the last year and a half, has just been prodding me and prodding me and. Have you ever just got up and said, would you just be quiet? You know, come on, Lord, leave me alone. I remember Ray Hughes one time said, Lord, I'm tired of crying. A woman that came up to him when he was young said, man, you look ugly when you pray. And that affected him. And he said, Lord, why do you make me cry? And the Lord took the crying away from him. And before it was over, he was begging, God, would you just let me cry again? And sometimes we're in desperation. We want to be left alone only to find out when God does leave us alone, we don't want him to leave us alone. And um, that prodding is so important. And sometimes I get the voice of God and Andre's voice mixed up because he's always invited me to go and be a part of this international group at the upper rooms. And I went to the one in West Virginia, just thoroughly enjoyed it. And, and um, I just feel like a duck out of water with all them great men. And, and um, he just keeps, you're coming to the next one, you're coming to the next one. 
I don't know if that's God or Andre, but that prompting is just driving me nuts. Uh, but the Lord's going to lead us and direct us. I want to do one thing. Randy West, would you come up here for a minute? I, I just, I'm heavily impressed to do this. Um, all of us has got a unique ministry. All of us has got unique things that God does through us and in us. But we're in a season that Randy always um, goes under what he would call one of the, probably the busiest seasons of his life. He gives and devotes his whole Christmas season to this thing called Christmas drama. And I was just sitting there and um, Randy comes in and I, can, I know the hours, uh, not a day off for weeks at a time. I see the fatigue, I see the tiredness, he's human. I see the frustrations, I see the disappointments. I see the prayer, I see the labor, I see the work. I see the countless hours of putting everything together and all of that kind of a thing. And so much of the time, we don't understand, those of us looking at it from afar off, exactly what it's like. Um, my wife one time, you know, when she was having Benjamin, our first son, I said, babe, I know what you're going through. How do you know you never had a baby? And how true that is when she's in labor. I've, I've never experienced that. I only see it from a distance and, 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 you know, even maybe even close up. And I may think I understand, but no one really understands at all because the pregnancy's not theirs, it's the other person's. And so much of the time, Randy has in his womb something that was developed. Is this number 12 or 13? I thought it was number 12. And 12 is a number of significance. And um, I just feel like this is a significant year. Every year he battles things. Every, nothing never goes right. There's always attacks. There's always things that happen. And we won't go into all those different kinds of things. And a lot of times everybody says, oh, just lighten up, Randy. We always pull it together. Well, that's easy for people to say, but when you're the one carrying the baby, that really don't help because you don't understand. Even when you begin to deliver that baby and it begins to come together, no one appreciates that child. No one takes care of that child. No one fathers that child or mothers that child like their own parents because they see that child in a different light altogether. And this man has been warned this year. And I, I you know, for some reason, I really believe something magnificent's about to happen. And the only thing keeping him going from year after year after year is that prompting, that pow, pow. You know, and there's been times I'm sure he said, well, am I gonna do it this year? There's times he'll come to me, you want a Christmas play this year? And probably in his flesh, he'll think, I hope the pastor says, no, I don't want one. But I know what it's like to go through a year with COVID and not have it and how miserable he was. Amen? He couldn't stand it. And here he is this year. And I, I just want to pray for him. I want this body to pray for him. And I want this year to be one of the greatest years that we've ever experienced in our life. We have anywhere from three to 5,000 people come through the doors. It's the number one evangelism tool that we have. Anywhere from confessing, whether they're all real, we, that's not for us to determine, but anywhere from 250 to 500 conversions in, a, in, a, in that four-day four period. Nowhere else do we ever have anything like that. People all over the town are looking forward to it. It's a witness about our church. 
And anytime you begin to make an impact with that many people, the enemy's going to fight it. The enemy's going to oppose it. John Gerald, you, you were laid on my heart to pray for him. I, I don't know why. I want you, if you would, to come. And then Josh Reasons, would you come? And I know Zach's out. Uh, Mike uh, Lampkin, are you, are you here? Yeah, come on, Mike. I just feel like our staff needs to rally around him and pray for him. And I want you as a body, would you lift your hands this way? Get ready for a visitation of the Holy Spirit to bring a divine awakening. Amen. Let's catch fish. Go fishing in Jesus' name. God bless you. Amen.